We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig, the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at WinBet, been our exclusive sponsor for our podcast throughout the year. Mario, how are you doing heading into, gosh, week 11 of the NFL season? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, slogging through it, John. I'm trying trying to... Like I, I, I basically go uh, hibernate until this point in the week, like after after Monday when I post the the one article, and then uh, get up, you know, sometime like yesterday afternoon, and I'm, it takes a while to start everything back up. Um, if we were doing a podcast tomorrow, I would have exclaimed, "I'm doing great, John. How are you?" Uh, yeah, get the uh, the time zone agnostic lifestyle of, of an NFL writer <laughs> during the season. Uh, so. We'll, uh, we'll just kick things off right away as we do every single week. We, we run through every game on the slate. We got one here in my neck of the woods, down here in Atlanta. We got the Patriots giving seven, seven and a half points to the homestanding Falcons here. So I, I want to start with more of a general question on the Patriots. Are we starting to think of them as legitimate AFC contenders at the very least. I, w- I wouldn't call them Super Bowl contenders, but with the way the AFC is shaping up, it kind of feels like that they have a legitimate path. Yeah, with the, I guess all of the, certainly the Chiefs being worse than we thought. I would say the Bills are worse than we thought they would be too. I know they're fine, more or less, but I I think their offense has lost something. Uh, the Titans have sort of uh, the best record, but they're not super convincing, especially um defense and and more recently the run game so if you have a good defense and the rest of the field is kind of thinned out or just not as strong as they were the year before you could you know kind of just you you could stumble into a a point where it's it's you don't have to be as good as in past years to get further in the postseason and maybe maybe that's kind of the trajectory that they're on especially if the defense keeps getting better um I, i still don't have personally a great sense of how actually strong the defense is it's like we've seen for sure they're they're dangerous against certain quarterbacks in certain situations uh maybe they maybe they're not truly dominant but if they are dominant on defense then yeah this is this is a good year to to be in the position they are 
Yeah, hundred percent. And then you know when it when it comes to the the fantasy angle of this, when you when you look at the at this matchup for this week, I think the clearly the the most fantasy relevant part of the Patriots is the backfield. So where are you on, on Ramondre Stevenson uh, tonight versus uh, Damian Harris if he's good to go? Uh, I don't know. Is there any good intel on? Is, is there any? Harris has been cleared actually as right today. Yeah, so. I think Harris is still the better running back. That's just uh, that's what I thought of them before last week. And, and one game doesn't really change that for me. But I did like Ramondre Stevenson as a prospect. Really, the, the biggest concern with him was just kind of like how how much is his head in the game? How how professional will he be? Because that was his only issue at Oklahoma as he got the suspension that we never really knew for sure what it was. But uh, yeah, he's a big back who can catch Harris is a little bit different of a player. He's, he's smaller, not, not as heavy as Stevenson, maybe not as good of a pass catcher, but maybe a better peer runner. And in any case, what would make a lot of sense, I think is if they kind of uh, phase out Brandon Bolden to something like 10 or 15 snaps on offense, not because he's bad. I mean, he's, he's always done a really good job. It's just, they didn't call anyone up to replace him on special teams last week. So if he's always going to play special teams, then you might as well get Stevenson out there for his lot, uh, as much as like the passing down kind of stuff. Um, if he is better than Harris at that, but there's, there should be a room for coexistence, I think, because if they're usually running, you know, 60 snaps, maybe 70, then asking a running back to play more than 35 snaps is, is always like a, a pretty high burden. Like that's, if, if you got a guy playing more than 35 snaps every week at running back, either they're quite good or you don't have any depth or you have injuries or something like that. So having, having Harris play 35, having Stevenson play 30, 35, I think that's, that's sustainable and, and would kind of uh, suit them both really. So with, with that in mind, do you, do you envision a, a time split along those lines for, for tonight's game, especially where, you know, there, there's kind of an implication based on the line that, uh, you know, the Patriots are going to be ahead for most of this one so that it will be a script that sets up well for the run. Yeah, I guess it could break a few ways. Like maybe they, maybe they feel like they've seen enough from Harris, and if they get a big lead, they'll be like, okay, let's get the rookie, you know, Stevenson, some more reps. Like maybe he could get more work as the game goes on, and it might not necessarily mean anything about the depth chart. So, with a case like that where we don't know what their, you know, their their own goals are, we don't know what they consider their interests to be. It's it's hard to know from the outside, but. I feel like if, if the game is close and they're specifically trying to run the ball, then Harris would generally be first in line. But I also think in that scenario, they would both play. I can't really think of a scenario where Stevenson gets pulled or anything, even if Harris plays pretty well. Okay. All right. So it sets up well for, for that New England run game tonight. On, on the other side, the Falcons have kind of become a, a fantasy graveyard just a little bit. I mean, obviously Kyle Pitts is, is – um, you know, he is what he, what he is at this point. He's his breakout rookie. Uh, you know, you're, if you have him on your roster, you're, you're locking him in uh, to your tight end spot. But do you have concerns about maybe where his ceiling is for tonight, just kind of based on the fact that Cordell Patterson, uh, he's dinged up so that, you know, that that is one less pass catching threat and they, they really don't have anyone else other than Pitts right now. Yeah, it's tough to tough to figure that one out. I, I mean, I think Pitts is clearly awesome, and uh, even if he's some version of Raw right now, I'm still wet. I'm still willing to bet on talent like that, even if he's shadowed by J.C. Jackson or somebody like that. I still think Pitts is going to produce at a certain level if Matt Ryan goes over a certain yardage mark. So, in a way, I, I kind of 
not that this gets me any closer to an answer, but I, I kind of look at it more from the Matt Ryan side. I'm like, what can Matt Ryan get to 230 yards in this game? And after a week like last week, I, I don't know. I mean, it weird stuff happens. And Matt Ryan, for it, it feels like it's been about five years now where he's had a bunch of these points where we think, oh man, he's finally done this time. You know, he's, he looks slow. He looks he looks all dusty and he, he looks lame now. And then he never quite you know disappeared after any of those points. So. Uh, just because he had a b- really brutal game like last week doesn't mean he is toast. But this is the first time he's looked that way and had, uh, you know, this year, not even Corderell, like you were saying, but more generally without Julio, without Ridley. So maybe this is just too much for a declining quarterback to deal with. And maybe Pitts also suffers for that fact. But if Ryan gets to like 230 yards, I I'd probably rank Pitts as like a top three tight end on the week. Okay, that, that definitely checks out. You know, the, the talent can kind of supersede a lot of things there. And yeah, that is a good point about Matt Ryan. I, I think a lot of people have been ready to write him off several times. Even this season, I, I thought after that week one game against the Eagles, I was like, oh boy, like I'm, I I'm way overweight on the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I definitely was, I was wrong to write him off after week one, but when he has a week like last week, I don't know, maybe, maybe that was the, the second wind and, and last week it was, was the, the end of it. Oh boy. Well, uh, I don't know. I always hope, I hope for not. entertaining Thursday night games. Yeah. So I'd like maybe. to see Kyle Pitts do cool stuff. That, that's what I hope happens. Yes. On the national stage, no less. Let's move on over to Sunday. Kick things off with the AFC South battle between the Titans and the Texans. Uh, the Titans, 10 point favorites in this one. Uh, obviously, pretty heavy favorites. They'll be popular in Survivor if you still have them available. Um, what do you make of this Tennessee backfield? Uh, Deontay Foreman being kind of a trendy fab pickup. Uh, Derek Van Riper and, and Mike Doria were able to scoop him um, in our pentathlon uh, Superflex League, uh, besting my bid by one dollar. Um, <laughs> so that's the only reason I'm bringing it up. Really, is that I'm salty that I, lo- I lost out on Deontay Foreman for a dollar. Should I be though? Well, it's it's probably not going to be like a season making or breaking kind of thing with Foreman but he could be a, a pretty important part of the season second half here it's it's tough to know what to make of a game like last week I mean I for the full disclaimer I'm kind of a Foreman truther and I don't want to go off the rails at the first sign of positive uh like like encouraging information but last week is pretty encouraging 11 carries for 30 yards is not great at a glance but the New Orleans run defense is Really good. Uh, probably, probably was you know well aware of the run threat and taking it seriously. The two catches for forty eight yards is pretty cool. I the deal with Foreman for me is pretty simple. If he's uh, a you know ninety percent or more of what he was before his Achilles tear, and B if he's kind of got his head in the game. I don't know what his his deal was as a prospect, but John, you probably remember this better than most people. He was actually like a two or a three star recruit at Texas. And right. I don't even know if he was a scholarship guy right away. I assume he was, but he was in the shadow of his brother, Armonte Foreman, I think it mm-hmm. was, who was like a high four star guy, even though he was smaller and slower than Deontay, who was by all accounts, you know, freakishly huge and fast. So I assumed that when Foreman disappeared from the NFL, it was mostly due to him not being fast anymore because of the injury. Um, if that's not the case, I personally like I the way I think about running backs and the way the game works I can't 
be concerned at that point. I'm like, huge fast guy. He's produced. We've, we've seen it already. Just give him the stupid ball. And uh, last week was, you know, a pretty big step in that direction. Like, they gave him the freaking ball, and he, he did pretty good. It's like, oh, the guy who's, you know, beating Adrian Peterson by uh, three-tenths of a second in the 40-yard dash, even though he's 10 pounds heavier, he looks better than Adrian Peterson. Who could have guessed? I think if they keep, like, giving him reps this way, he'll only make it that much clearer that he's, of course, better than Peterson. And um, the, the last, you know, frontier there would be, I guess, McNichols. But if, if he's concussed this week, then this week, at least, it, it might not matter. Maybe Foreman can actually get a pretty big game here against his former team. Yeah, I'm picturing, like, the the superhero meme where he's choosing between the two buttons and it's you and, and like, your, your truthers and it's Foreman and uh, McNichols. It's like, you don't know which one to Hey, choose. it's <laughs> like, uh, even though I've made fun of him a lot, it's like Mike Vrabel has been uh, reading us over the years uh, saying, That's right. pick, why isn't someone signing Foreman? Why isn't someone signing McNichols? They're good. It, it seems like they might be. It seems like this might be a, a really long-term, uh, you know, uh, a comeback victory for us. We needed it. Uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, and we love to see it. Um, and then on, on the other side of this, anything that that's piquing your interest as far as, as Houston goes, I know Tennessee's defense has been running super hot uh, of late, but do you, do you trust that to continue even against a, a team like the Texans? Jeffrey Simmons will be a constant. That's, yeah. that's the one constant. The thing that I don't think is consistent, uh, the one thing I don't think is sustainable is the play of the secondary. Uh, Kevin Byard's really good. That, that that part's not surprising. But the the way they've dominated lately, it's basically Simmons, who again I think we can count on him making you know a lot of impact plays. But the rest of it is kind of like surprise tricks and coverage. You know, blindsiding Matt Stafford with looks they haven't shown before. If they have more looks to unveil, they'd be stupid to do it against the Texans. So I think they might be a little more vanilla on defense, uh, not as not as likely to you know make the Texans pay for for mistakes as they did Matt Stafford certainly. Um, Nico Collins is kind of interesting to me just because you know I'm a, I'm a truther of of Nico's, but the the way that these Titans corners might be good don't really apply to a receiver like Collins because he's you know six four two fifteen. Uh, Janoris Jenkins is five nine and like thirty three years old. Chris Jackson's skinny. Uh, he's probably the most athletic of their three top corners right now and. Uh, I don't remember who the other guy is. Oh, Elijah Molden, who's who's also short and slow. So those guys could be right in right in position to cover Nico and just still be too small to do much about it. So uh, if if Collins can get going and if Brandon Cooks uh, can get a little bit going, may, maybe the Texans kind of make a close enough game to cover. But I don't know. It's it's uh it's hard to have any faith in. It seems like the Texans don't even have. Uh, an ostensible identity. It's like any right. week they come out they're they're liable to totally invert their playing time rotations. It's like, I don't know if you're serious. I, I definitely am sick of trying to figure it out. Yeah. I love uh, having like a, a preseason ethos uh, in, in week 11. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like we wanted, we wanted to give Lindsay a chance to get 15 carries after uh, making him wait 10 weeks to do it. What it, just why didn't you cut David Johnson? Why are you keeping him on your roster to not play him? Do you want no one to sign him in free agency next year? Do you not want him to count as like a qualifying lost free agent to get you eligible for comp picks? Are you are you just trying to, uh, you know, sabotage the value of everyone who's going to hit the market next year? Uh, the answer would sooner be yes than like that they've thought about it and, and considered it because clearly they, they just haven't. Yeah, there's no evidence to suggest that they're trying to play that long game with, with the comp picks and, and 
value boosting and all that, uh, especially based well, it's on like they, how they were. That's so why far. they had the one year contracts, but then they're sabotaging their yeah. own intention of doing it. It mm. just, you know, it just brain dead stuff. No bueno. Come on, Houston. Uh, let's move on over. We got Indy traveling to Buffalo to face the Bills. I continue to be impressed by Indianapolis um, for better, or for worse. It, and, you know, we were talking about earlier how the Bills very good, but but possibly a little bit less uh, that, than what they were on a offense, year ago, especially yeah. on offense. So um, with the way that the I guess that maybe this game comes down to how Indianapolis's offense fares against that, that Bills defense is playing extremely well. Yeah, so I, I don't have a good idea of why Carson Wentz struggled so much against the Jaguars. It might have been that Frank Reich kind of went a little vanilla in the game plan, but it didn't seem that way. It seemed like they were kind of trying to blow away the Jaguars and couldn't really figure out a way to do it. Uh, with that said, I would imagine Wentz plays better here. Um, if you know the, the Buffalo defense is intimidating, and I think the, the main reason that the Buffalo uh, overall record is is pretty much in line with expectations is that the defense has gotten better um, and, and kind of minimized the damage of, of the offense, maybe losing a step here and there. So this this is interesting, yeah, like you said, because of how th- this is the best chance I think we we have to see how much the Buffalo defense has improved, um, specifically in the run defense because. They have really great numbers, uh, both against the pass and against the run this year, and maybe they sustain both of those. But Jonathan Taylor here will be the first time they're really, uh, I think, given a, a, a stern test on the ground, which had been a struggle area for the past couple of years for them. So maybe the story with their defense is as simple as you know, Tremaine Edwards took another step, Ed Oliver took another step. Uh, those two things in addition with everybody else playing another year together and they have very little turnover on that defense going back the past three or four years. It's like, yeah, maybe they have hit just this, this new stride uh, that they never did before. And maybe it shows up in the form of, you know, containing Taylor here, uh, keeping Wentz in his shell. Uh, I think they need to do both of those to cover seven points, but maybe they do it. I I tend to think that, that, Indianapolis will expose or will have success one way or the other offensively. Like you're saying, I, I don't know if they shut down both of those facets, either it's limiting Taylor or, you know, limiting the the kind of crazy downfield shots that, that uh, Indianapolis has been hitting of late uh, to, to Michael Pittman. Um, we kind of got like a little Spider-Man meme of, of second year receivers with uh, Pittman and Gabriel Davis facing off across the field from each other. But um, on the Buffalo side of things, um, do, do we see Stefan Diggs, uh, you know, re- return top five value that this week at the receiver spot, um, anything to glean elsewhere for, from that receiving core? Um, it, it seems like the, the, the Colts have been getting a little bit better play out of rock Yasin lately and the Massachusetts guy, Isaiah Rogers, he had been, uh, sort of coming on a little bit too. So those guys, seem to be stepping up just as Xavier Rhodes's second wind burns out, which is good news for them. And, and Kenny Moore is really good in the slot. So they've got some good players on defense in places where they had been struggling even earlier this year, specifically at corner. They were, they were struggling in that first month or whatever, six weeks. So they, they could make it tough on Allen. And I, I don't know what to think exactly about the bills offense. Like I do think Brian Dable over given, given enough time, will come up with counter adjustments to what they're seeing and struggling against this year. But there really is a struggle going on with Josh Allen, and it's happened pretty much every week except the Washington game, 
and the rain game against the Chiefs. I might be forgetting another, but the basic uh, they, deal they is they lit up the Dolphins at one point. I, I want to say, yeah, but I feel like he uh, was not especially clean as a passer, or at least he was. He like he killed them last year. Uh, Josh Allen did the Dolphins last year, but then um, it was more like a it was like an eighty five percent outcome based on his 2020 standards that he had mm-hmm. earlier but um if in any case if they if they can somehow counter adjust to what they've been seeing uh and limit the amount of times allen specifically has to decode zone coverages after the snap like i think that's when we've talked about this before but i think his accuracy issues when he has them have less to do with um you know natural accuracy and more to do with he has sort of a delicate timing structure that he needs to have synced up and if, if it gets thrown off and he, if he has to do too much thinking after the snap that throws off the timing and he kind of has to he has to rush his mechanics a little bit. And it's like, you know, trying to f- fire a, a trebuchet without getting the thing locked in and it just kind of flies off at the wrong angle. Like that kind of thing happens with him. But if they can get him back on the sort of rhythm that he was last year, then I wouldn't be intimidated by the Colts defense. But right now, all it takes for me to get a little worried for Josh Allen is just the assurance that he won't know before the snap what kind of zone coverage he's going to see after the snap. Uh, that, that was a big problem against the Jags. Apparently they were just running kind of like basic cover two stuff. And uh, part of that is the Jags defense is playing legitimately well lately, which is right. really weird, but it's also like, that's a basic look from a very untalented defense and they, they just could not get anything going to the tune of six points in four quarters. So I'm concerned, even though I do expect them to eventually figure it out. So uh, it sounds like maybe some of that, should come up to to Dable. So how how do they fix that? I would normally say you have to get a better running game, but it's it's kind of a similar problem to like what the the Eagles have with Jalen Hurts, which is some of the looks where Allen uh, has these accommodating details as a passer specifically. There's structural details that come at the expense of being able to set up the run. So uh, in other words, I don't know how much you can get under center, and I don't know how much you can. Uh, do these things with Allen that would normally be good for a run game, but might be at the expense of his ability to throw well from the same looks. So I I don't really know what it, I I guess I, I I do want them to try to run more, uh, but it's, it's, you see a lot of times where they, it seems like they want to run more and yet they kind of just keep throwing the ball over and over. And I assume that's usually because they're not getting the look that they need. And uh, yeah, I guess it's up to Dable to figure out how to, how to break that sort of, um, this sort of stalemate that they're increasingly uh, encroaching in a lot of games this year because they never they never struggled that much and especially not for as long of periods of time uh last year as they did this year and, and like the Jags game last year would have been unthinkable yeah 100 percent. I guess it was unthinkable yeah. this year too but you know what I mean <laughs> yeah they're they're almost two touchdown road favorites in that one and yet they, they have had a lot of games to kind of a lot of cupcake games thus far so We'll see. We'll see their schedule maybe start to to toughen up a little bit here. They got Indy at home, of course, this week. Uh, they go to New Orleans next week, so going to the Dome, uh, New England, and Tampa Bay. So I think that that should this four week sample should actually give us a pretty good idea um, on, on who the Bills actually are. One thing too, uh, Stefan Diggs is uh, maybe he was just at a really max range outcome last year, but if he does sort of um, even out to the baseline that he showed last year, he's due for a pretty long hot streak here. 
uh, I could certainly use that in, in a couple spots. And all of his advanced metrics are pretty standout um, at, right. as far as receivers go. So, um, yeah, it stands to reason absolutely that um, that he's going to start to get it going here uh, in the second half. Uh, let's move on over. We got Saints Eagles, uh, two very tough teams to figure out. Obviously, the the Saints. I thought one of the the stranger lines last week was the Saints one going up into Tennessee. Tennessee obviously like red hot coming off their win over the Rams. It's like how are they only giving two and a half to to the Saints? And the Saints played them really really tough. Um, so they they got another game uh, on the road this week going up against Philly. Philly hasn't been particularly good at home this year, but Philly obviously is coming off an impressive-ish win in their own right. I don't think the Broncos are that good, but they, they took care of them pretty handily, I thought, on Sunday. Also gave us the, the funny Teddy Bridgewater uh, business decision uh, <laughs> clip. Um, but how do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, so I I keep waiting for the the other shoe to really drop with, with Jalen Hurts in that Philadelphia passing game, and it's every week we go through – Within even even uh, within each game individually, we go through the extremes of uh, wow he uh, he's doing what he did at Oklahoma pretty much. Look at this; he's starting the game like eight for eight for like 140 yards and a touchdown, and he he ran for 30 yards. And wow, look at look at how great he is! And then he somehow finishes that game with like 180 yards passing, and he he doesn't run for any more yards, and he he throws an interception in the second half and doesn't score any touchdowns. And I feel like. More than every other offense in the league, you see the Eagles open games with these very specific scripts that are that are like really bubble screen heavy. And a lot of his production, like other than Jimmy Garoppolo, I can't believe there's anyone in the league whose passing numbers are more um, boosted by like screen yardage after the catch than Jalen Hurts. And I think a lot of the times we, where he has the cold stretch wherever it is, sometimes it's in the first half, sometimes it's in the second. I think that's where defenses kind of like start defending basic screens and and uh, they, they go away from uh, the, the script runs out on their opening script and they have to just start kind of doing in-game uh, strategy. And they, they seem to hit sometimes these really profound cold stretches. And I keep waiting for it to be a game where it happens all four quarters and it, it doesn't really happen yet. But I do think that day is coming and the Saints defense is still quite good. Like I know they they didn't beat the Titans even even with you know Derrick Henry out and Tannehill not playing especially well. But if that kind of questionable roughing the passer call never happens and that Marcus Williams interception stands, then uh, Titans might just lose that game. So I think this is a pretty dangerous spot for the Eagles, even though I don't know if it's Steichen or even Sirianni. I think they're doing a pretty good job managing that offense. Like I, I think they're doing a lot with relatively little. And that's great breakdown on Philly. And I've shared those concerns as well as, but at the same time have Jalen Hurts in a couple leagues. And I've kind of, for the most part, this week will be a bit of a different story, but for the most part, I've kind of been set it and forget it as far as leaving Hurts in my starting lineup. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. I mean, it's working somehow it's working. Sometimes it's better to just not watch and and to just like see see his uh fantasy box score yeah don't even uh, look at the box score like just just look in like the late third quarter or something yeah yeah don't don't worry about it up until then um looking elsewhere in, in this philly offense what do you make of Devonte smith i mean he, he's he seems like he's starting to heat up three touchdowns over the last couple of weeks has a hundred yard performance in that stretch as well um so you know i obviously he's tied to, to jalen hurts of course but 
is he someone that that you feel like is, is a legitimate wide receiver too for fantasy not just now but moving forward for his own part definitely i guess wide receiver two is a, a pretty substantial bar to reach in fantasy and i, I feel a little leery of giving him that but okay. not not for his part like if jalen hurts throws for 200 yards especially after the zacharis trade we basically have to assume Devonte got like 80 of that maybe more and that that should be who he is and i wonder i wonder if that Ertz trade actually is kind of helping bring him out a little bit more like maybe putting a third receiver on the field instead of a second tight end. Uh, maybe that's creating some sort of space that he's exploiting that didn't exist initially this year. But as far as, as far as uh, thinking Devonte Smith will regress, not really. Like, I don't, I don't think he's uh, like, there might not be any meaningful difference between quality wise him and Jamar chase. And that's not me bashing chase. That's saying the, both of them yeah, might be pretty big slick. compliment to, to Smith. At, absolutely. Uh, then one quick note on, on the other side. So Alvin Kamara obviously misses last week's game uh, returns to practice Wednesday uh, in a limited fashion. If he's good to go, how's this matchup set up for him? Should be good. I mean, these, the Eagles defense can play well at certain spots, like especially the front four is quite good, but the linebackers aren't, and I, I don't know if um, like I know Austin Eckler didn't get much going, but I feel like that was a case where the the Chargers are kind of playing below the level that they could or should. And uh, I never really expect that with Sean Payton teams. It's it's a uh, sometimes it's ugly, but if it is, it's usually because he has really bad players. And uh, I I can always I, f- I feel like we can take for granted with him that he'll figure out something that most coaches don't as far as, uh, you know, attacking a weakness in an opposing defense. And uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's Ingram. Like Ingram could have a good game here too, but if they try to get Kamara going, I bet they will. Yeah, I think so too. And and yeah, obviously a, a coverage mismatch with, with that linebacking core in Philly, that, that that's definitely a wrinkle to, to keep an eye on while watching this game. Uh, before we get on to our next one, we got a quick word from our sponsors over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's keep things rolling here. Going Dolphins, Jets, Dolphins road favorites in this one. Uh, three, three and a half, depending on where you're looking at a total of 44, 44 and a half in this one. The Jets, are they really starting Joe Flacco? Um, I, I forgot that they are, uh, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's like one of those things where you're having a bad dream and you wake up and, uh, you just, you, you remember the dream and it disturbs you. Like it washes over you. Like I just, I just forgot that that was real though, that uh Flacco is starting and I, I can't begin to piece together why, or I don't even think this is a case of a team having a reason in mind. Like, I think they're just sort of going, what should, uh, we got to do something, you know, do something, does anything. And one of the things that they could have done is what if we start Flacco and uh, it's not going to get any good result if, if they even had one in mind, but uh, yeah, what, what, what Flacco will bring that Mike White probably won't, or at least not as much, is uh, the hospital ball. Like Joe Flacco is a lame guy who wants to basically just not look bad. And he, he does that thing that Roethlisberger sometimes does, but way worse, where he's like just looking for a guy that he can lay the blame on. And if he sees some guy going over the middle and it's, you know, it's, he's, he's coming down to the, I either got to throw it away or I got to take a sack. Or I can lay out this guy, uh, you know, hang him out to dry over the middle of the field here. And, you know, the guy drops it and, you know, he gets hit by three people at the same time and drops it. And they're like, ah, couldn't hold on to Flacco's pass. And Joe's like, that was too much mustard on that one. Joe's just like, that's exactly what I wanted. Um, So (laughs) he's not a serious competitor. He's he's a cynical, lame guy. And uh, I think, um, I don't know, he'll bring a certain like level of competency, like Mike White. He's. You know, he's probably crazy guy or something, cowboy kind of quarterback. But uh, Flacco will be, you know, where he's supposed to be in theory. You know, it's just I I, I don't know. It, I don't expect anything good to happen. I do like some of the receiver matchups here, though. I don't think the Dolphins defense actually played well against the Ravens. That, that was 100 percent Greg Roman, if anyone's asking me. So I think the Jets, especially with guys like Elijah Moore, uh Jamison Crowder if you try to do that zero coverage stuff against the Jets like you don't you don't want to do that against those two receivers and, and including the way the Jets have used both of them no absolutely so um yeah that that Ravens game was uh very frustrating and we can unpack the, the Dolphins uh, side of that uh did, did not love that did not love going in, into my weekend with holding a, a gigantic L from the Miami Dolphins unbelievable um but one thing I, I did notice from that one, and, and this this will, um, you know, this is the truth cast. Uh, another guy that that uh, we we have a, a, an enjoyment of who maybe maybe is a little bit underrated, Albert Wilson. Yeah, uh, he he he's still pretty fast. I guess he definitely looked like he had some explosiveness, but it's hard to know 
it's it's hard to bank on like eight yards after the catch per catch like he was getting in that game like maybe maybe I mean, a lot st- of it came on that busted play of course but um, yeah it's just it's one of those things where you don't take the credit away from him it's just hard to realistically make that happen over and over especially you know one game after the other it's more like once every four weeks kind of thing you can count on um but wilson's fine i mean he's always been a pretty good player it just seems like he's had really brutal injury luck the past like three years or whatever uh these Jalen Waddle, you know, Albert Wilson, I guess, uh, I guess that's all they have. Gasicki's their third receiver. Like those guys should be able to stress these jets corners, like two of them rookies, one of them, a second year guy who is a day three pick. So, uh, don't know what to expect from the quarterback position in any sense, but, uh, the, those three receivers could, um, if they fail, it shouldn't be their threes fault. Okay. Uh, I, I can see it. I mean, they, yeah, they don't have a, a ton of depth at, 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 among their pass catchers, especially with, with uh, all the injuries, you know, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, uh, the, the list really does go on. I guess I'll, I'll just kind of back up what I was saying a little bit and noting that that Wilson did play uh, six snaps short of his previous season high last week. So if he, if he can be involved to that extent, again, if he, if he's challenging for 30, plus snaps, I, th- I think he could make like the, the one or two splash plays against this Jets secondary to, to maybe like be like a DFS dart or something. Yeah, he's definitely better than Mac Hollins and probably better than Preston Williams too. So I hope they give him the shot. I'd like to see that as well. Um, before we get on to our next game, uh, we got a message from our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Rotowire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. We also get a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The NFL season is heating up, and Yahoo is going big on daily fantasy football this season. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the year on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests now being shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all listeners the opportunity to claim free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 in site credit uh, to join any paid contest, including Yahoo's biggest contest, the $1 million DFS NFL Baller Contest. The weekly $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and tons of overlay in prizes. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 credit and to get started again. That's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. All right, moving onward. 
We got the Ron Rivera reunion. We got football team going down to Carolina to face the Panthers. The Panthers obviously coming off of the the win out in the desert a week ago against a uh, shorthanded, to say the least, Cardinals team. But what's going on as far as your read on, on Cam Newton and, and Carolina as we move forward this season? Is this something that's going to kind of save the offense? Uh, probably not, but some of the things wrong with it before kind of at least get renegotiated with cam on the field. Like Terrace Marshall could not play that Curtis Samuel role. And that was part of the problem. They're playing 10 on 11 with that. Robbie Anderson was, I don't know if it's the yips or if it was just kind of defenses adjusting to the way they were using him last year, but he was so bad. He was another zero. So you're nine on 11 having cam on the field sort of works against that with his his legs being worth like another half of a player, something like that. And it makes the slot coverage play slightly differently. Like you, you might, instead of uh, whatever Marshall was seeing, like maybe they're going to see something a little more run stopping oriented because they have to take seriously that the possibility that cam holds onto the ball and starts running at whoever they, you know, they got a guy in the slot. They think he's covering Terrace Marshall. Maybe they change the, the way they approach that. If they say, you know, he's, he's not just covering Terrace Marshall. He might have to c- tackle Cam Newton one on one. Like th- thinking about those things can get a defense to look a little different. And at that point, we're at a, a certain unknown. You know, it's like we they're probably going to fail again, but we don't know for sure because things are different, at least than last time. So there's, there's an unknown technical element there. But if they don't get those receiver positions, if they don't get the Marshall reps, the Anderson reps to turn into something useful, then it doesn't really matter what kind of quarterback they have back there. But what about when you you take a look at this matchup specifically, and and those are all points well taken, of course, but, you know, Washington lost a lot of star power off of its defense this past week, and it, you know, pretty banged up, even even coming off the the, probably one of the more shocking results of last weekend in in beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so this week you worry about those – structural issues with the Panthers offense a lot less than you would if they were going against, you know, even if they're going against like the dolphins or something, I'd be like, oof, I don't like that. Like they might really be able to tee off on them. Washington. I don't know if they had a a non bad game on defense this year. Then they lost their two best players, Montez sweat and chase young. Uh, That's kind of a wrap to me. And in a case like this with a defense that beat up, Probably, probably going to come out a little flat, or at least they're at risk of coming out flat, flatter than you would expect of a game like with the, the coach homecoming narrative like this, just because they probably used up a month's worth of adrenaline last week. And uh, the, those kinds of highs and lows in a season have a way of affecting the games afterward at times. So, yeah, I don't expect them to, to have like the the raw ammo in terms of talent, and I don't expect the Washington defense to be especially sharp to make up for it. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a stripped down playbook, kind of primitive playbook with Cam only there 10 days or whatever. But Cam playing, you know, NFL blitz style football against a defense like this is that that's a viable way to play because he 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 just needs to, you know, juke guys and run them over. Yeah. Throw the bomb once every three plays. And pretty much that that's your recipe for success. Yeah, and he'll, you know, if, if with the way the Washington defense has played, it is possible that he gets going as a passer, too. It's like, you know, DJ Moore has been a mostly a constant despite the incredibly bad circumstances and 
Uh, you know, even if Robbie can get a little bit of momentum after last week, it's like that that could change quite a bit surprisingly quickly. Uh, yeah, but we'll see if if he can if he can bounce back at the, at this point in the season. But that that would obviously be huge. And and yeah, DJ Moore um, as well. The the main fixture of that passing game. Uh, let's get on over next game. Uh, we got Lions Browns. Uh, Lion, uh, the Lions going on the road, coming off their uh, inspirational tie against uh, the Steelers a week ago. Eleven and a half point dogs in Cleveland. You know, on its surface, I have a hard time trusting Cleveland with that many points against basically anybody. And the the Lions, of course, uh, fit into that discussion. And, uh, you know, in, in looking at, at some things over the course of the week, I mean, I, I read Liss is beating the book. He, he thinks that the Browns win like 43 to, to, to 10 in this one. So that that's pretty strong. So I have a hard time figuring out that this one exactly. But I, I could certainly see that the blowout, you know, for for the Browns coming up against a Lions team that, that maybe, you know, spent some serious ammo a week ago. Yeah, uh, I think the issue here. Um, more than anything is just that Jared Goff is playing at such a low level. It, it's kind of hard to think of it. It's hard to think of the last time a team had a quarterback playing this badly where they were also totally committed to the quarterback. Like yeah, normally, yeah. normally when a guy plays like Goff, he's uh, cut, you know, he's, he's not on the team. Uh, he's, he's definitely not starting 10 games or whatever. So the way like the question of like how bad the lions offense can get around the question of golf is uh maybe not something like the, the answer to that might not be something we've seen before really like it, it might have always been uh it might have always been cut off like this particular depth that we're going into with with jared goff here and uh at the one hand i don't think the cleveland defense is well schemed at all i think if anything joe woods uh like Kevin Stefanski has shown basically nothing as a schemer and, and in most observable senses is clearly underachieving. Uh, namely, it's like they have too much talent at corner and too much talent in the front four to not create more pressure than they do. Like they, they don't blitz. It's like, why do you want Greedy Williams as your fourth corner? Why are you spending money for Troy Hill? Why are you drafting Greg Newsom in the first round if you're not even going to blitz? Like that's why you have four good corners so you can blitz people. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't do that, so they might get surprisingly little pressure on Goff. But Goff, I think, is um, he's, he's like traumatized at this point. Even like, I'd, like he's he's always been not so good, but he can't do anything, uh, even things that a bad quarterback should be able to. So, yeah, I think that uh, Chris's line on it is pretty much the way I see it too. Is like I don't think this is a serious NFL team as long as Jared Goff is playing quarterback. Yeah, and uh, you know, even for the. The performance on last Thanksgiving, I, I wouldn't trust David Blau uh, in this spot either necessarily. So not necessarily, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So th- this this is a game that um, uh, I'm hoping that Red Zone doesn't doesn't uh, linger on too much on Sunday. Uh, we got a couple uh, viewer questions here. Our guy Jay Red wants to know: Would you start Wilson or Burrow this week? Also, has the option to pick up Ryan Tannehill. Uh, this is Russell Wilson, I assume, and I would have to go with Burrow just because I personally don't have any faith that Russell Wilson is healthy. And if Russell Wilson was fully healthy, I guess I would lean in his direction. But even then, it's a close call. So with the injury, I, I got to go Burrow. 
Yeah, I, th I think um, in, in looking at this, I mean, we have Burrow ranked ninth and Wilson 10th on, on the site. Um, I, I think that there's like a, a pretty decent gulf between the two this week, even if they're ranked that, that closely. I, I would start Burrow confidently o over those guys. And I, I think I would start Tannehill over over Wilson, too, if anyone else had had a similar conundrum. Um, uh, yeah, just I until I see it back to normal for, for Wilson. I'm just going to assume that that offense is busted. Russell Wilson was 20 of 40, I think in that last game. So uh, that's, that's not even Russell Wilson. It's like, we're, we're, at, we're talking about a different kind of quarterback than real Russell Wilson. Yeah. Who is this imposter? Uh, Jay also wants to know uh, in a PPR league, Gesicki, Mike Williams, Cole Beasley, Deontay Foreman, or Naheem Hines. Uh, so let me double check something quick. Uh, I I do like the idea of Gesicki when Devontae Parker is out and also the, the Jets corners aside from Bryce Hall are pretty small. So I like the idea of that. The tough part for me is, is I guess like the last month now, Mike Williams versus whoever is the tough part, but I got to stick with Williams. I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, these, these struggles count, but so do the ones from earlier this year. And unless we expect the Chargers to just kind of be bad every week from this point, which I definitely don't, then Williams has to get going again because we don't really even like how to – for the Chargers to be good, it's like Williams is being good too. So nothing terribly concerning about the corner matchups. Like I think Mike should be able to beat both of those guys if, if uh, Herbert can just get the ball out that way. So I would probably go with Williams, but if you want to bench him for Deontay Foreman, I wouldn't like argue against that exactly. Okay. That all, uh, all those cases definitely make sense. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's hard to, to write away um, or write off the, the Williams recent struggles, but at the same time he was crushing early in the seasons the, the Chargers just need to figure it out right now. They're playing 10 on 11 and they're, they're giving Josh Palmer more playing time at the expense of Jalen Guyton. And I don't think that's going to help. It's going to make the field even smaller for the, for the offense. It's like running three guys at the same position and they're not going to get balance out of it. But uh, I do like Herbert enough that I think he can transcend at times. And I think, you know, they're, they're winning weeks. They're good games. will just kind of be the, the weeks where incidentally he was able to carry them. Right. Yeah. Because it's obviously not, not really coming from, from the offensive coaching staff at the very least. Let's get on over 49ers, Jags. The Niners have been good on the road this year. The Jags are the Jags. So we, we, we run into a situation here where, where the Niners are six point favorites on the road. What's your, what's your read from a fantasy uh, angle on this particular matchup? Nothing for the Jaguars offense. I mean, maybe James Robinson. I I love James Robinson if he's healthy and he's he's getting the touches. I I don't really want to bet against that guy against any defense. But the rest of the Jags offense, uh, maybe even Dan Arnold, uh, I would ignore. I don't know. James James O'Shaughnessy is going to be back eventually. So whenever he's back, we're we're done with Dan Arnold. I think. Oh no. And, uh, but anyway, at the other side, uh. Not that I want to take for granted that the 49ers will do anything in particular with their running backs from week to week, but if, if Elijah Mitchell's out there uh, in the same role he's been out there, this should be a good spot for him, uh, assuming that they, assuming that the 49ers don't get upset. But uh, it, it is worth noticing, I guess, that the Jacksonville defense has played really well lately, and all year they've had pretty good running numbers, except for you know last week against Jonathan Taylor, but. Even him, it's like he only added something like 20 yards in the second half. They kind of started shutting him down, except for the few big plays they gave up. 
So uh, I don't remember, is it Cullen, who's the defensive coordinator for the Jaguars? Whoever it is is doing a really good job lately. I still don't believe they have the talent to keep it going. Uh, if they if they are good right now, it's because they're getting by on smoke and mirrors. So maybe Shanahan figures it out. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't try to. Maybe he thinks he can use his, his more simple game plan to win here. Uh, I do think I kind of like the Jags to cover, and I like the under because I I don't really expect Jimmy Garoppolo to play especially well. And uh, if the Jags keep playing tough defense like they have, it's it could just be kind of a low scoring, you know, punt heavy kind of game. Yeah. But yeah, I don't expect a ton of offensive fireworks here unless it's coming from the, the likes of Kittle. You can't bet um, against Kittle or Debo, yeah. especially yeah. right now. But, it, you know, the the IUK part, that's that's where I start to get skeptical of uh, the Garoppolo potential here. So Jeffrey Wilson has kind of re-entered the, the fantasy discourse this week. You know, saw some work in, in Monday night's game against the Rams. Uh, is that is that something that you're going to try to pursue at all in, in Fab this week, or, or you know, something for for DFS? Uh, probably not for DFS, just because he's that category of player where it's like tournament level risk, but without the tournament level upside. Uh, assuming his price isn't really low, so. He he. With that with that said, he was a guy who I think was justifiable to own in season long all year, just because we knew at this point or roughly this point he would come off the IR and he played a lot last year, uh, did really well last year. He's a really good player at North Texas, so this is a guy who has a pretty long history of production. Really, he just isn't very athletic and especially doesn't have speed like Elijah Mitchell does. But the way I see it is uh, Wilson and. Uh, Elijah Mitchell can basically coexist the same way Wilson and Raheem Mostert did last year. So we'll see. I don't think 10 carries for 28 or 28 yards is going to force the issue. Uh, and Elijah Mitchell could just be better than Raheem Mostert. I mean, Mostert was kind of a, a, a experimental thing, you know, it's like moving a gunner to running back, seeing how it goes. Mitchell's always been a running back. He's always been really good. Uh, so I don't really want to bet against him, but I think there's a place for Wilson to get something like 40% of the carries the rest of the way. All right, that I mean that's a significant chunk, and yeah. obviously pretty pretty run heavy. Uh, that offense can be at times better uh, served that way. Less Jimmy Garoppolo, the better generally. So uh, yeah, with, I think that that's a point well taken on Wilson. Uh, before we get to our next game, got our last message here from our friends over at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week this NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim that free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Then two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And number three, Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So again, go to rotowire.com slash thrive for more details. All right, we got a bunch of games to get to uh, before before we sign off. Uh, we'll start off Packers-Vikings, uh, this one taking place in Minnesota. Where are you with this one? This could be a really good game, and in DFS, if you're trying to get away from that, not that you should try to get away from the Dallas-Kansas City game, but... If if we're if we're talking a second most likely shootout, I feel like it's this game. You know, being in Minnesota maybe takes the traditional favored status we might normally give to the Packers. 
and if that is the if if the Vikings do make it closer than they would in Lambeau, it might show up in the form of Kirk Cousins having a good game. And um, you don't expect Rodgers to have a bad game. Uh, the, the Vikings defense just isn't that imposing, especially without Daniil Hunter anymore. So uh, if Rodgers has a good game and if Cousins can keep it together, this could be a shootout because I don't think the Packers secondary is any good. No. OK. And, and you know, Jair Alexander, is he banged up right now still? Uh, I haven't checked on him. I thought he, I just assumed at the time he would be out for the year because it looked like a busted clavicle or something. But uh, I guess if Jair is out, then I hate the Packers corner rotation. But if, if Jair is in, then that's, that's a little different for sure. I'm trying to pull that up. And then, um, uh, you know, but well, yeah, he's not, well, he's not going to play. Got it. So uh, looking on the other side of this, you know, one of, I think one of the, the biggest lottery tickets in best ball or, or season long, if you, if you had the sand to, to hang on, uh, AJ Dillon, how high is too high to, to rank him this week? Uh, uh, maybe not top five or something. I don't know. Uh, I like AJ Dillon is, I guess I got to do that disc disclaimers. Like I was much higher on AJ Dillon than certainly the, you know, the dynasty scene. I know PFF, ranked him as an undrafted player mm-hmm. i was always like hell no he's going in the second round you're all fools he's going in the second round so i'm given that backstory i am not inclined to temper you know the enthusiasm in this case I, i'm a truther for sure and aj Dillon is one of those guys who's going to look better from carries 10 to 20 than he does zero to 10 it, it just hurts like hell to tackle a guy that big you start getting slower over the coach of the game the, the more carries he gets uh what i've been surprised with is how good of a pass catcher he's been he's he's looked pretty good at it it doesn't look like one of those lucky catches you know with derrick henry sometimes you feel like oh man that 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 was a good play but it kind of felt unnatural tenuous dylan looks natural so kendricks is a great linebacker but with enough volume i think dylan will break this defense yeah i'm 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 big on him he'll he'll be a a massive fixture in in dfs this week and you know it's chalk but it but i think it's it's very good chalk at, at the same time um, let's touch on on that marquee matchup you alluded to a minute ago. We got the Cowboys going up to Kansas City to, to face the Chiefs. Chiefs two and a half point favorites. Cowboys woke back up last week and really took it to Atlanta, coming off their disappointing loss to Denver. And and the Chiefs looked like the Chiefs for the first time in quite some time, maybe even week one. I I, I don't even know how long it, it has been. So. How do you square this one up? With you know, do you assume that that the Chiefs, the on switch is fully back on, or or do they, or are they about to have to go back to the circuit breaker? Oh, I don't know. It's um, oh, I should know this. Is Gus Bradley the defensive coordinator for the Raiders? Uh, sorry, I'm. There's, there's a reason I'm looking this up. I promise. Uh, but so, uh, Dallas. They got Dan Quinn or the Dallas has okay, Dan yeah, he is. Okay. So um Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn are both uh, you know, like Pete Carroll disciples. They 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 run and and have similar beliefs as, as far as defensive coaches. I remember seeing that thing about Dan Quinn saying he was shedding some of the the Gus Bradley uh Pete Carroll teachings with this new Dallas defense. But if he does still use some of those same principles. That might be concerning because uh, obviously Mahomes had that huge game last week against Bradley's defense and Quinn, at least in relative recent times, tried to be Gus Bradley more or less. Uh, so Dallas needs to at the very least take fewer risks on defense than they've tended to this year. Like the way you beat the Chiefs is to make them beat themselves. Basically, it's like just don't take the risk that leaves you vulnerable. 
let Mahomes get bored taking seven yard completions and, and hope he gets uh, antsy and does something you'll advise that he normally wouldn't. If they try to do that, you know, gambling secondary stuff like the stuff that against the Patriots, I guess, was the most uh, memorable instance of that going wrong. It's like the Chiefs have, are really good at making that particular bad thing happen if, if you keep letting them do it. So uh, if Dallas plays aggressive, I think that suits the Chiefs. If they stay back, I'm not convinced the Chiefs are actually turned a corner on defense. I think last week was an instance of the just kind of positive regression that would necessarily happen from just having Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey play a certain number of snaps. It's like they'll go cold maybe, but not forever. It's impossible. And I think games like that last week are, are why. But uh, I, I still don't believe Daryl Williams any good. If Dallas doesn't care about the run and if they just sit back against the big plays, that takes away some of the things that happened for the Chiefs last week and, and might put them back to where they were. So um, it's hard to know what Dallas will do, but I feel like there's a way for them to definitely win this. Uh, maybe even maybe even get like, uh, I don't know, four or five points on the Chiefs because I you don't need to play them the way that the Raiders did last week. Uh, they might do it anyway, but you don't need to. And, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't expect Dak Prescott to to throw the uh, helium balloons yeah, that, uh, that Derek Carr did a week Love ago. the Dallas offense in this one. Uh, I guess the Chiefs' run defense has been a little better lately, but I, I don't really believe in that. And Or at least I, Zeke's too good. This offensive line is too good to, to care. So uh, this could be a lot like the week one Dallas-Tampa game, but I, I could imagine Dallas coming out barely ahead instead of uh, losing it. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's probably the, the right side of it. Um, you know, Kansas City, they show that they still have it in in the arsenal a week ago, but uh, we need to see it o- over the course of time against uh, good opponents. And, and Dallas will be a good good little litmus test to see what, whether the Chiefs are really back or not. Um, we we got one more game to, that we'll be able to get to here. Your, your quick thoughts on Bengals. Raiders, a couple of teams fighting, fighting in that kind of fringe AFC uh, playoff race. The, the Bengals obviously been pretty disappointing of late after their big win in Baltimore. The Raiders um, coming off the, a pretty national, embarrassing game a week ago. Where are you with this one? Yeah, if not the Packers game, then maybe this would be a good pivot off of the Cowboys Chiefs because I just I don't know when you got receivers like the the Bengals have, and, you know, Joe Mixon too that's just a lot of talent from scrimmage to stay cold for as long as they would need to, to to come out flat here. And the other side too, is like the Raiders. I I don't really see a reason why they should come out flat here. I I guess I'm more worried about them uh, not keeping up their end of the bargain just because the Bengals defense has has some pressure guys at the very least. But I think, you know, being indoors two decent quarterbacks, uh, the Bengals having a good amount of ammo, uh, at least like the Bengals side of it. Yeah. I, I, I'm more inclined to trust that the Bengals at this stage, even even if they've eroded some of that trust after obviously the Jets game and uh, the Browns game, uh, I would still uh, defer defer to the Bengals here, who I believe um, are coming off the the bye. So even though they're going to be on the road, I, I do like the Bengals in this spot as well. That's going to wrap things up for this edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet for Mario Puig. I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.